Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. He is in this place, and I I believe um, that I, my, it is my prayer, and I do believe that today will be one of those markers in your spiritual life um, that um, you will see the change and, you know, not because of what I said, but because of what the Lord has done, uh, that you will remember this as a marker. I will admonish you that if you don't want to change your life, um, if you don't want to be rebuked, if you don't want to change your mind, then you should get up and leave right now <laughs> so that you don't hear the word. That is, um, yeah, so it's your opportunity. You're here now. you got to hear it. <laughs> so when the Lord reminds you, as he often does me, in those moments where I may feel like I'm going to throw in the towel, he will remind me, normally of the word that I gave. <laughs> he said, remember me, you preached that? I said, oh, okay, yeah. you got to live that out, brother. I said, all right. So when the rubber meets the road, we have to live this word out. And we have to believe it. Um, so this is a, a, the second part of a two-part, a two-part couple series. <laughs> uh, we talked about hindsight 2020, and we spoke uh, two Sundays ago on responding to regret. And today we're going to learn not to fret. Uh, so we're going to be talking about fear and overcoming fear. Uh, we responded to regret. We listed five things. We ask for forgiveness uh, and we also forgive others. We live in the present moment. moment. Uh, we give up control or we realize we never had control. <laughs> uh, we think positive and we practice gratitude. So those are the things that we, um, when we're responding to regret so that we will not have regret, we do these things. I think it's important someone reminded me last, last time, or two Sundays ago uh, that how regret can be a major influence in people's lives and how things they should have done or could have done or wanted to do and they neglect it for some period of time, how that it can kind of stay with you and burden you down and give you a lot of fear. And so I pray that that word was encouraging it was encouraging to me. And that's why when you respond to regret, you got to learn not to have the fear. Because now you're going to get over all the past stuff. We've done that. We've dealt with all the past issues that were hindering us or keeping us back. And now we got to look forward into 2020 um, and every other year uh, with great promise. And with that great promise can sometimes allow, make us be fearful. Um, so we're going to learn not to fret. God never intended for us to have fear. We were made fearless. He never intended for us to have fear. We were made fearless. We were made in the image of God, Genesis 1:27, and we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2:16. We were made to love and we were made for love. Uh, 2 Timothy 1:7 says, "For God has not given us the spirit of fear. It wasn't something that he gave us. It wasn't something that he created in us. 
but he but of power and of love and a sound mind. So where do we pick this fear up, right? We may have fear of snakes and spiders and all kind of rodents and grimy things that we may be fearful of. Some of them, uh, when you were younger, you may have been afraid of things that were just in your imagination, like the boogeyman or dark corners. I remember I was in middle school when I think the first Friday the 13th came out. And um, I shouldn't have watched it. I should not have. (laughs) I think like sixth or seventh grade. And I can remember just staying, laying in bed at night, being so afraid that Jason was going to come get me. And that was just the <laughs> Jason wasn't real. Uh, well, there are some real Jasons, but that Jason wasn't real. <laughs> uh, and that was something uh, that fear was of the unknown or that fear of that monster coming to get me at night and uh, kept me up for several weeks. I don't think my mom knew that my mom and dad knew that I saw the movie, uh, which was probably part of the problem. So, um <laughs> Um, but yeah, we can have some irrational fears that, you know, keep us awake at night. And some of them may be even rational. Some, some things we fear that may have some, some rooted in some truth. You know, we're fearful of what may happen to our children or our loved ones. We may be fearful of, you know, traffic and car accidents and shootings and all the things that go on in this world. Um, but God never intended for us to have fear. And luckily, if we learn fear, then we could unlearn fear. So we're going to look at unlearning fear. Fear comes from believing the lie. Believing the lie that life circumstances and past traumas are true and they will hinder you. And we talk about that, (laughs) responding to regret. Believing the lies that others tell you that you're inadequate or the enemy may tell you that you're nothing and you don't belong. We believe in the slow, gradual whisper from the enemy questioning our self-worth and why we're even here. And so sometimes our fear is because we believe the lie and not the truth. And so we're going to look at several things to unravel or unlearn fear. And there could be other things that probably could be added to this, but I think we're just going to look at maybe four or five. I have a lot of scriptures to cover, a lot of ground to get over, so um, I think we I think we can do it. Uh, the first thing is, and uh, I think Minerva kind of touched on this, is act on God's word and not react to our circumstances. Act on God's word and not react to our circumstances. Let's turn to Numbers. We're going to camp out there for a little bit, for a few minutes. Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to start at verse 1. And this is important to get this. Uh, and I have it here, but I'm going to turn to it because I, I... Numbers 13, verse 1. We're going to go down. I think we're going to skip around eventually, maybe go through the whole chapter. Uh, I don't know my numbers. I'm turning to like number seven. Like what in the world is going on here? Uh, So Numbers 13, verse one, it says, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, 
Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. This is important. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So it's important to catch this. He says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to your children, giving to the children of Israel. So I'm going to jump down to verse 3. It says, so Moses sent out them from the wilderness because it names them in verses 2. Uh, I mean, uh, four, one, somewhere in there. Uh, five, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight names them. We're not going to go over their names. So Moses sent them out in the wilderness uh, and commanded to the commandment of the Lord. All of, these, all of them were heads of the children of Israel. Uh, then Caleb, so then we're going to jump down. Where it says, then Caleb, I think this is uh, 30. get there yeah it says then Caleb quieted the people so what happens is they go out into the land they spy on the land they see what's in there they bring back these huge grapes that two two men had to carry this bundle of grapes they say oh this land is flowing with milk and honey this is good but they are some giants and some people there that may cause us some trouble but it's still the land that God called us to so then it says, then Caleb, in verse 30, says, then Caleb quieted the people because the people were kind of getting a little rowdy because they heard the good news and the bad news, and they focused on the bad news, which most of the time we do. Uh, it said, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are all, we are well able to overcome it. So whatever the issues were in that land, Caleb felt like they were able to overcome. But 31 says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which have been have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it were men of great stature. And, the, and there we saw the giants, descendants of Anak from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. <laughs> So they believe the lie. They said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we are. And so are we in their sight. <laughs> so, so they down. We are grasshoppers in our own sight. This is what I believe. I'm believing the lie that the enemy told me that I'm a grasshopper. And then they see us as grasshoppers, too. And so. This is the land that God had promised them. They send the spies out. The spies come back and report what they saw. And they believe the lie and not the truth that God had told them that go get the land that I'm giving you. He said, I'm giving it to you. 14, let's jump into 14. It says, uh, so all the all the congregations lifted their voices and cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if we had only died in the land of Egypt, they were so fearful that they were willing to go back into bondage and not go forward into the land that God had promised them. Are you so fearful that you're willing to go back into bondage instead of going forward into what God has called you into? We know the stories. (laughs) 
We were familiar with the the toll and the trouble that they had as slaves and bondage and what they had to go through. And we know all that God did to get them out of that. And yet the fear overcame them so much that they were willing to go back to bondage. No more, no more cornerstone, no more can we go back into bondage because of the fear that we have. Just looking forward that God has said, I'm giving you the land. I'm giving you the city. I'm giving you your promises. I'm giving it to you. And when it comes, you go to the edge and you see it and you say, no, um, that's too, that's too much. I'm scared. And I'm willing to go back to bondage instead of going forward to what God has called me to. Act on God's word and not react to the circumstances. These children of Israel, and we can condemn them. And I, and, and even in preparing this, I was like, God, these, these guys are fools. And God quickly reminded me that I could be one of those fools. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like, man, God had just parted the Red Sea. You know, how, I mean, how miraculous is that? How quickly did the fear grip them? That they said, we're willing to go back. We can't take the land that God has just said, I will give to you. So if God said, I will give to you, surely he's going to make provision for you to overcome all that you saw in that land. Surely he will make provision for you. He promised you some things. He has land for you, whatever that is. He has a future for you, whatever that may look like. He's called you to it. But fear has gripped you and you said, uh, no, maybe not this year, next year. And you said that now for 20 years. Because <laughs> unfortunately, the children of Israel said it for another 40 years. Because of their complaining and their fear, they didn't wander the wilderness for 40 years. Because God said, we're going to kill off all these old guys <laughs> who's doubtful of what I can do. And so, ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. So in pressing in, uh, I was about to say Pastor Minerva. <laughs> As Pastor Minerva said, pressing in, you kill off all of that stuff. When you press in, you kill off all that Old thinking, old habits, old whatever. You press in. Because when you're pressing in, that stuff has to fall away. So you, you have no choice but to go in. All right. This is a good word, y'all. I don't know. It's a good word to me. It's good to me. <laughs> I could camp out here for a little while because there's a lot in this. Uh, but act on God's word and not react to circumstances. I probably could stop right there. We <laughs> it's, good. it's good for me. Uh <laughs> Uh, the second thing we can do, pray and fasting. So let's look in um, I think this is uh, where are we looking? I didn't write this down so I'm going to have to um, to find it. I'm sorry.
We'll get it. <laughs> can always come back to it when we see. Yeah, thank you. My man, I tell you what. <laughs> you got me covered. I appreciate it. It's like, where was that? Ah, First Samuel, thank you. First Samuel 1, and I think we were starting at verse 6. Yes. Yes, 6 through 13. I got that part. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. You're on it. First uh, Samuel 1, 6 through 13. I'm not going to read. Uh, all right. I got old people eyes now, so I got to kind of um, be careful. I do, man. Need <laughs> some bifocals. Uh, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret. So this is talking about um, Hannah and uh, I think her name, how you pronounce her name, Penina. And that was her adversary. Uh, provoked her because the Lord had shut up her womb. And he did so year after year when she went up to the house of the Lord. So she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better than thee to ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat up a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was, Hannah was, in bitter, bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. So at this moment, she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And what happens is the Lord open up, opens up her womb and she has a child. And so year after year, it says, so year after year, she had been going, dealing with Penina, who was having kids left and right. You know, she was like a duggard and having 18 kids or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and she felt like, man, I can't keep doing this. And Penina was taunting her you know when they would see her she was like hey look i'm pregnant and you're not you know and i can imagine hannah feeling so defeated because it's something she desired as well that was her promise that she wanted she wanted badly and i don't know how many years it took how many years she went through before she before it got so painful and she overcame the fear that Penina was invoking her to be afraid because sometimes you could be afraid to even wish or pray for something because you don't want to be disappointed. And I can imagine Hannah's like, I can't go through this. I can't go through this. And eventually she says, I got to give this to the Lord. I got to pray. So she didn't eat when everyone else was eating. And she prayed and she wept before the Lord. And the Lord answered her prayer and gave her a son. So some things we need to Get sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> Say eventually, you know what? I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm going to give this to the Lord. And I'm going to leave it to, with him. As I hope we did today, earlier. That we gave it to him. And we're not taking it back. And we're believing that he is going to answer and do just that thing. But she overcame her fear. She prayed and the Lord answered. So... Unlearning fear requires us to pray and fast and requires us to uh, act on God's word, and not to circumstances. The third thing is 
focus on Jesus and not your surroundings. Go to Matthew 14. Focus on Jesus and not your surroundings. Matthew 14, 25. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, I don't know how he saw the wind, <laughs> he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter was fine when his focus was on Jesus. It is when he realized that there was wind, because the wind was always there, you know. It didn't just start to dust up when he got out there on the water. It was there. They said it was stormy even before. Um, but it wasn't until he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked around and said, this isn't possible. I shouldn't be doing this, right? That he got afraid and began to sink. Focus on Jesus and not your surroundings. So many times God has called us to do certain things in our lives. And maybe we've taken the step. And maybe we say, man, this is not even possible. How in the world God is sustaining me? How in the world God is, God is doing this for me? And then we look at it. How in the we look at our bank account and say, this is not possible. <laughs> and then we get afraid. And then we get to focus on the things around us again and not on Jesus. And then, then we begin to sink. It says, oh, ye a little faith, why did you doubt? And we begin to doubt his word. Because we started to look at what was going on, all the chaos. It's easy in this world to look at all the chaos and begin to sink. <laughs> but let's focus on Jesus and not our surroundings. Know that God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua 1, 6 through 9 says, Be strong and of good courage for the people for this people shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper where, wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on, on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I have not commanded you. Have I not? Good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We have the assurance to know that God is with us. We serve Emmanuel, God with us. Psalms 23 and 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He is with you. And the Hebrew boys figure that out, that when they even go into fire, he is with them. He is with us. He is with you. You don't have to be afraid. I am with you. 
So he's letting you know now. Whatever fear you have, he's going to be there the whole time. He's not letting you walk to the edge and then he's pushing you (laughs) and saying, I'm going to stay here. But he's actually walking out there with you. He's made the way for you to go out. So God is with us. Let's take comfort in that knowing, take comfort in knowing that God is with us. And then finally, we need to renew our mind and put on a new man. If we're going to overcome fear, if we're going to unlearn fear. Second Corinthians 10 says, for for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it's like casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God is the word of God. And you have to know the word of God to be able to, because the enemy will throw thoughts at you. He would say you're not worthy. He would say you can't do it. He would say you should be afraid. You don't have the budget for this. He would say, why are you thinking about changing jobs? Or why are you even thinking about that promotion? Or why are you even looking at uh, witnessing to your family and friends? They're going to laugh at you. He's throwing all these darts at you. He's throwing this. And we have to know the word of God, the knowledge of God. And we have to take those thoughts and say, hey, this says I'm not worthy. Let me see if this lines up with the word of God. So I take that thought and I see the word of God and the word of God says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I say, hey, I'm not condemned by my past. I have no regrets because God has died for me and he's redeemed me. So I need to cast that thought down. Thought may come in your head and say, no, you shouldn't desire uh, for your family to be saved. They're going to laugh at you and say, let me look at the word of God. And what does the word of God say? He desires for all to be saved. He may do that through me. So, yeah, this is not lining up with the word of God. Let me throw cast that to the side. Whatever that is, whatever those thoughts are, that, that thoughts are that you may bubble up within yourself because you believe the lie for so many years. And the lie sounded good and it almost became truth to you. But does it line up with the word of God? I can remember, um, I'm going to say, try to say this without crying. <laughs> uh, this is a Pastor Taylor story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was uh, several years back, maybe four, five, six years ago. Um, I was really discouraged in my job and in life in general. I think I was going through a midlife crisis <laughs> in my 30s. <laughs> but I really didn't feel worthy. And I can remember talking to Pastor Taylor because I was, I think I was coming or was supposed to be meeting him and I was probably trying to avoid him and say, I'm not meeting with you. I got other things to do. Uh, and he said, he's, and I clearly heard him say, Virgil, uh, you're worthy. I know you don't feel like you're worth it, but you're worthy. And it hit me. I started to cry. <laughs> I think I was in the car and I was crying. I couldn't barely drive. I had to pull over. Uh, because at that moment, I did not feel very worthy. And I believed the lie that the enemy was telling me that I wasn't worthy in that moment. And now I know I take that thought and line it up with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up, then I cast it down. 
every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Romans 12, 2 says, and be ye. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4 says, and 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fertility of their mind, <laughs> having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. We don't want to be like that. <laughs> but, thank God there's a but. <laughs> but you have not so learned Christ, but have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness." Unlearning fear is a process that we must undertake daily as we grow and develop in lacking fear. We will see boldness develop in every area of our lives. Let's go take the land that God has promised us, whatever that looks like for you. And I don't want this to be missed. I don't think this is a I hope this isn't just a regular word that you just take and, you know, throw it on the side and falls on stony ground and. The birds come and eat it up or whatever. Uh, because I, I, you know, I toiled with this all week. This was uh, because I knew this was for me, but I knew it's for the body in that God really wants Cornerstone, the body of Christ in general, but specifically Cornerstone, uh, to fulfill the promises that he has called us into. And I know that a lot of times, we can look at numbers, whether it be financial or numbers, whether it be people or other things and say, we can't do this. We, uh, we don't, you know, whatever the excuse or the lie that the enemy may tell us. And the Lord has already called us to do some great things. Uh, he's made us unique as a body, uh, a diverse individuals. And he wants us. He wants to show us off. And. We may not want to feel like we should be showed off. <laughs> and we may say, well, we're not deserving. We're just a little old cornerstone here on Old Gray's Mill Road. And, you know, let the other churches do that. And that may be fear. <laughs> this fear. Is this lining up with the word of God? Is this lining up with what God has called us to? And for a body, I want us to take that word, but then also for our individual lives, I want us to take this word and say, what are some things that God has promised me that I have neglected because of fear, that I have put aside because it's too painful to hope again? <laughs> you know, when he asked, can these dead bones live? He said, Lord, you know, because he didn't want to answer. <laughs> 
Because his answer might have been, I don't really care because I've been down this road so many times and they didn't live. I didn't seem like it happened for me. And God is saying, will you have hope again? Will you unlearn that fear that I didn't give you that you picked up? Will you not believe what the enemy has told you? Don't believe a lie. Will you believe me and go into the land that I promised for you? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.